0: What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the All The Hype podcast. I hope you've all had a wonderful day, a wonderful week, and enjoying this much-needed beautiful weather. Today on All The Hype, I have another great guest joining the show, sports mindset strategist here to discuss mental health in the NBA. Please welcome Samuel Knott. Sam, how are you doing today?
1: Ryan, what's going on, man? Excited to uh, specifically tap into the basketball uh, arena but you know just excited to share some some mental wealth strategies with your listeners today.
0: very excited to have you on the show. Thank you for taking the time to join me and discuss mental health and how to have a better mindset. Of course these are definitely topics that deserve to be talked about more and more so let's get right into it. I'd like to start with you telling the listeners a little bit about yourself who you are, what it is you do, and how it is that you got there.
1: Yeah, man, I'm, I'm very unique in what I do. And here's always the way that I, I explain it to parents, to players, to coaches, whoever's asking. Okay, so in the world of sports psychology, there's the traditional way, there's a lot of traditional ways of looking at things where athletes just need to be tougher, right? right. Or... If you're thinking about seeing a psychologist, you know, you get the picture in your head of, you know, sitting in a room with like a shrink and you're sitting on the couch and you're looking up at the ceiling and you're going through all of these different things, right? What I do is I have an understanding of sports psychology. I have an experience of playing at a division one level myself. And here's what got me into what I do. So. You know, on social media, on Instagram, on YouTube, all of these places, people like to show their wins. People like to show how well they're doing, how great things are going. Um, I like to share my losses because in a sense that I am where I am today because I'm a failed division one athlete in a sense that your only goal as a division one athlete, at least for myself, was to play professionally. And, you know, a quick background, I get, I got an offer to play in a, in a low-level professional league where you get virtually no money and your chances of playing professionally end. Right. So as an athlete, you have to understand at some point your career will end. I hope for every one of your listeners, that's an athlete that's still playing. I hope they have a long, prosperous, successful career and they, they, they play until they're 40, You know, like LeBron and Kobe did and, and all these greats. That's all I hope for athletes. But I'm inspired by my own failures and the reason I brought up the psychology part of it is because I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a doctor. What I am is I'm a strategist. I help athletes implement strategies into their specific sport that's going to help them with their mental well-being. That's going to help them with their mindset. That's going to help them actually execute on the field. So, right. a little bit of a long way around of of what I do, but I always like to share. Hey man, I'm, I'm human. I messed up myself. I'm not here just to, just to show you the glamour. I'm here to show you that, you know, failure is a part of this thing. And and that's why I'm so, so inspired myself.
0: That's awesome. And I think that's, that's very fascinating that you're able to be comfortable with doing that. Cause I think a lot of people typically are so focused on their wins and, you know, Whatever positive message they can bring is because of their wins, and they don't focus on the lessons that are being taught from those losses. But I think it's great that you've you've used that as a way to be able to inspire others, teach others, and use that as your message. You have 41,000 followers on TikTok. That's actually where I first saw you and learned about you. How did you build your platform there? Because, you know, truthfully, 41,000 followers on anything is very, very impressive. But how has that helped you spread your message and kind of build your platform on that?
1: Yeah, man. So I'm, I'm a big mindset guy, right? So you say 41,000. And the first place that my mind went is I haven't even scratched the surface yet. Right. And in that way, all I'm trying to do is, is find out how I can serve others, how I can help others. Because if, if you want to post on social media and post about your life, I, I am all for that, whatever platform you're on, right? But I'm mission-driven in a sense that I'm here to serve others. I'm here to help others. I think the entertainment value of TikTok and Instagram and, and YouTube and people showing their lives is is awesome. And I think the entertainment part of it is a piece that needs to be there.
0: Right.
1: But myself, it's completely driven. It's 100% driven by trying to provide value for others.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's that's a great point. And I mean, I think it's cool that you've used TikTok as a kind of platform to be able to get your message across. Because like you said, a lot of times, we get so much information. And typically, we don't retain a lot of it. But being able to do those daily or every other day minute videos can provide that spark for someone that might need it on that given day, which I think is, is completely awesome. Do you have any specific advice for anyone that might want to pursue something like this as a career path?
1: Yeah, definitely, man. Uh, this, is, this is actually one of the more common questions I get from uh you know some dms and and some messages on tiktok and instagram right people that are interested in maybe pursuing this career here's my biggest piece of advice is let your curiosity of your mind take you down what you're interested in so you know don't be afraid to go down a rabbit hole if it's something that you're interested in so if you're considering sports psychology the traditional school of thought is, okay, I got to go to school. I got to get a degree in sports psychology. And then I can become a sports psychologist. Right. Well, on the opposite side of things, it's really not about your degree. It's really about the results that you can get for your clients. It's really about how you can help others, how you can serve others. It's not about what degree I have on my wall. I'll be completely transparent, man. I I put myself over, over 100 grand in debt getting, uh, you know, my bachelor's degree, getting my master's degree. And I can, I can, without a question say, you know, books, courses that I looked interested in, like online courses, podcasts, YouTube videos, masterminds, paying for my own coaches. Yeah. A hundred X, a thousand X what I paid for a school in terms of value. So someone interested in a field like this, go, go out and find the things that look interesting to you and it'll form
0: itself. That, that's a great way to put it. Cause I think, you know, specifically people that are still maybe getting into college, going to college or thinking of, you know going back to school or anything are always so focused on getting that degree. Everything they do is, you know to get that plaque on your wall, that paper on your wall And that's the ends they want to get to. And they forget that sometimes, you know, you have to love what you do or else, you you know, the schooling, the work that you put in is not going to get you anywhere. You're just going to be miserable doing the schoolwork and in the job in the future as well. Yeah, man. How
1: how about yourself? What's your experience with college?
0: I'm similar in the way that you are in terms of I've had, you know, my fair share of losses as well. I was just in a mental state where I didn't want to handle the schoolwork, the athletics, the outside relationships, a job, all of that stuff kind of just piled on top of me. And, you know, I got to a point where I was like, "I, I need a break from this. I can't I can't do this anymore. And it eventually brought me in a full circle. I took my break that I needed to, you know, I ventured into other majors that I was interested in at the time. But it eventually brought me back to my passion, which is science, which is sports, medicine. And I realized, you know, this is what I wanted to do. But back then, maybe I didn't have the, the mentality to do it, the maturity to do it. But now I can. And I'm happy that, you know, it did take me a little bit of time to get there. But slowly but surely, I'm, I'm building on that road to be able to get to where I want to get. Yeah, self-learning is definitely the best learning. 100%. I I totally agree. So now let's talk about mental health in the NBA. Of course, a lot of what we discuss is going to directly translate to other sports and obviously also things outside of basketball. But for now, we're going to focus on the NBA. About three years ago, the National Basketball Players Association Launched a mental health and wellness program to provide players with greater access to mental health counselors. And the NBA even transformed its rookie transition program to place a greater emphasis on mental health. Now, in recent years, we've seen more and more current players and even former players voice their struggles with mental health. We've had DeMar DeRozan open up on Twitter, talk about depression. And later in other interviews, he talked about his lifelong battle with anxiety and depression in hopes that him speaking up would help others feel less alone. To that same degree, just a few weeks after that, Kevin Love wrote an, an article on the Players Tribune detailing a panic attack that he suffered during a timeout during a game. Subsequently, it forced him out of that game, and he talked about the first time seeing a therapist and how often that was seen as a sign of weakness, especially coming from an elite athlete. So in your expertise and the way you've helped other people, why is mental health so important specifically in athletes? Yeah. And
1: even more specifically in the NBA, in, in basketball itself, you see in sports, we get so ingrained in tradition, but the mental side hasn't caught up yet because there's a difficult way to quantify the mental side.
0: Absolutely. Think about
1: think about training or think about the physical side of the NBA when it started, right? The speed, the quickness, the strength, it was so far behind what it is now, but science and and nutrition and so many different things have evolved and grown and developed that you know you can, you can measure down to the very, very smallest degree of what an athlete needs as far as strength and conditioning and nutrition and sleep. And you can measure and monitor all of that. Right. Tell, tell me a way that you measure mental health. Tell me a way that you measure uh, being mindful. Tell me a way that you measure confidence. It's, it's a much more difficult thing to do. And the, the way I talk about tradition then is that you know sports are so ingrained in what they can do unless science shows a different way to do it or a different way to approach it or a better way to approach it right just like happened with strength and conditioning and and everything along those lines but the the science behind psychology you know some psychologists and some experts on the brain will say the the brain and what the brain is capable of is almost like the wild west there's so much that we know, but there's so much that we don't know. And there's so much that the general population doesn't know. So it's, it's not a matter of is, is mental health an issue or isn't an issue? Um, do these players struggle with it? Do they not struggle with it? That's, that's not the question. It's a matter of getting the learning curve to catch up to where players are today. Just like strength and conditioning had to catch up and continue to evolve. It's the same thing with the mental side. It's just much more difficult to quantify. That's that's why it's lagging behind.
0: And ultimately, I feel like a lot of, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but a lot of these kind of mental health issues or dis, uh, disorders can develop and go hand in hand. So for example, like if you're suffering from anxiety, that can directly translate to Uh, stress that you might have in your life. Um, and that, you know, and on basketball court that affects your shot, your conditioning, your ability to make game level decisions. And, you know, it goes further than that. You start overthinking, it leads to more stress, which can lead to sleeping disorders, eating disorders and all these other things. So I think it's, it's very important for us, not only as, you know, individuals, as human beings, But, you know, also these athletes in the NBA to be able to know that this is a struggle that they're going to go through and it could directly affect every aspect of their lives. How do you think that those things that I just mentioned, overthinking, anxiety, the pressure of being a professional athlete can affect them physically and mentally as well? Well, it also
1: works, uh, in reverse where other, other areas of their life also affect their performance. Um, but all of those things that you just mentioned, it's, it's a really interesting thing, right? Nervousness, frustration, anxiety, pressure, all of these, you know, that you can list a ton of different, uh, things that athletes are dealing with, but envision an athlete and... Think, think about their best performance versus their worst performance. How much of that difference is physical? Probably less than 10%, right? Right. And then you think about their best performance versus their worst performance. How What percentage of that is mental, which you're exactly talking about? It's probably 80% or more, right? The thing is, It becomes a pressure, it becomes nerves, it becomes fear, it becomes anxiety, it becomes pressure because the athlete is capable of doing it, right? They've done it in practice hundreds and thousands of times. Maybe they've done it in other games hundreds and thousands of times, but it's the pressure of being able to do it right now. It's the anxiety of being able to do it right now. It's the fear of uh, if I mess up right now, what's going to happen in the future? It's the anxiety of, okay, I, might, I may have messed it up last game. I did it in practice, but I may have messed it up last game. I hope I don't mess it up again. The pressure really comes from being able to do it right now because you wouldn't be in the NBA. You wouldn't be playing at whatever level of basketball you're playing at if you weren't capable of physically doing it. So in terms of mental health then, the, the biggest issue that I deal with in, in all of my clients and all of these athletes that I communicate with online is the ability to transfer those skills from practice to a game. And that's when all of these things start to come up. Anxiety, nervousness, frustration, fear, anger. And then what I help them do is, is give give them the strategies so that they can repeat what they're able to do in
0: practice in a game. You talk about how a lot of this is mainly, you know, 80% mental, 20% physical. Do you believe in kind of mind over matter? Do you think that um, an athlete's strongest attribute is their mental game, their mental capacity, that they can basically overcome anything physical based on, you know, their willpower to want to do it?
1: Well, (laughs) there's, that's a big question. That's a, a question you can go both ways with, because I don't, I don't want to give inspiration to somebody that's going to be, you know, five, eight and say, yeah, you can just, you know, put (laughs) your heart to it and you can be in the NBA. Right. Right. Yeah. Because I, I do think that there are certain factors there, there are physical factors that you need to have to be an NBA player. right? Right. And we can talk about, you know, the underdog story, the JJ Berea, the Nate Robinson, you know, those guys that were short or, you know, the guys that weren't supposed to make it because they weren't as strong, like whatever Kevin Durant couldn't bench press at his combine. Right. You can talk about those physical aspects where it's, it's, it's mind over matter and that's more important, but it's important to realize. And I think this has to happen at a young age that it's great to, it's great to be well-rounded. It's great to have your interest, but, and I don't mean this in a negative way, your your purpose for being here on earth may not be to be an NBA player. Right. You might have an an incredible love for for basketball and it might feel like the end of the world when your playing career ends, but maybe you go on to be an analyst. Maybe you go on to be a coach. Maybe you go on to be a trainer. Maybe you go on, there's a million other things that you can do. So, there's two ways to go with that question, right? The mind over matter question. I don't want to say that anybody can just will their way to becoming a great athlete. Because I don't I don't know if you're spiritual or you're religious and this is not what I meant to bring into this podcast, but you know, I believe we all have a purpose here on earth. And Absolutely. we all have a mission. And it's it's okay if you figure out that my mission is not to be in the NBA, that it's something else. But I will say, I encourage you, you say mind over matter, I encourage you to take as many mental skills as you can to help your game. And whenever they say your career's over, your career's over, but don't let it be because you can't handle your own emotions and you can't handle your own mindset. So don't let someone else tell you when your career is over. Your purpose may not be to be an NBA player, but you don't want to be the obstacle that stops your playing career.
0: I agree one hundred percent, and I didn't mean it as <laughs> as like if if you're five eight, can you you know will your way into the NBA? No, but I'm hey, saying like, no. Um, more or less based on you know the players that are in the NBA. Well, Do you think that a lot of, you know, the issues, the struggles that they have on a nightly basis, do you think a lot of that can be willed through based on their, their mental toughness, um, different, different strategies they can approach that it might not work in one aspect of the game, but it could work some, some other place? No, that's, that
1: is the biggest issue. The biggest issue is the traditional way of doing things in sports. If you have an issue, if you have something that you need to fix is to try harder, work right. harder, work harder, grind harder, grind more, grind more hours, right? There's 24 hours in a day. You don't get a limitless amount of time. And here's the here's a perfect analogy. So many people, and you're talking about NBA players with mental, mental health issues, they continue to try harder and try harder and try harder. It's like they're running themselves into a wall and they keep trying harder and harder and harder and they hit themselves and they'll on the wall harder and harder and harder when all they needed to do is take a step back for a second and realize that there's a door to the right or there's a door to the left. So it's it's almost like a catch-22 sometimes where the mental side of things is against the traditional approach of working harder and it's a matter of taking a step back and seeing things from a different perspective.
0: Yeah, that's, that's a great point. Also, I think, like you said, even in life in general, aside from... You know, what these NBA players do on the court, you typically, like you said, it's traditional to think that, you know, this isn't working because I'm not working hard enough. I'm not doing the reps. I'm not putting up the shots up that I need. When in reality, you know, me doing all that may be affecting myself negatively, where I just need to, like you said, step back, you know, look at the bigger picture, you know, learn to, breathe to ground myself and you know move forward from there based on the things that you say uh, when you help an athlete that's kind of struggling and going through all these things what are the steps that you take to help them recover from issues with you know their mental health their inability to concentrate anxiety things like that
1: yeah number number one and I have a couple of notes written down, and this is one of them to, to give your v- viewers as much value as possible. This is this is one of the points that I've written down, is that they need to have a specific outcome on what they want. Right. We're talking about mental health and and just think about and imagine the way we're talking about it, right? We're talking about stress and anxiety and fear and worry and doubt, all of these negative terms associated to your mental health. Right. The first thing I do in terms of a process of let's get clear on what we actually want. It's okay not to want that anxiety. It's okay not to want that fear. It's okay not to want, you know, whatever that negative thing is, but let's get crystal clear on what we do want. Do we want a certain level of confidence? Do we want a certain level of clarity? Do we want a certain level of calm of poise? And let's be really specific with what that looks like. What does that look like? What does that sound like? What does that feel like? Because, yeah, we have an issue. Hypothetically, it's anxiety, it's fear, it's pressure, right? That's an issue. But you see, our, our brain works like a heat-seeking missile, right? We say fear, anxiety, we're uh, worry, doubt. Our brain goes straight to... Focuses on that. It focuses exactly on that. So let's get clear on what we do want, and then let's put in the strategies to get that and make sure it happens.
0: What are some of those strategies that you use to to help the athletes that you, that you talk to?
1: Yeah. So the list is honestly endless and it's always tailored towards the specific athlete. Okay. Because you, you, Brian might have a different need than I have. Right. Right. And you know, your listeners might have a different need than I have, but you know, some general principles, some, some big pieces of value that I want to offer your listeners is think about this for a second. We take thirty-seven thousand breaths a day on average, and we're probably not aware of any of them on a consistent basis, right? Yeah. So breath breath work is huge. I'll I'll give you a perfect example. Is uh, I I work with a fighter who's uh, in taekwondo and he's about to qualify for the Olympics, right? In the next in about a month and a half. Okay. He had the same physical routine every single match. Every single game, right? His warm up routine, his stretches, his kicks, just like an NBA player would, right? You go through your stretches, your pregame shots, your, you know, whatever you do. Then there was about a 10 to 15 minute window before he would step on the mat. Same thing for an NBA player, right? You got a little window where you're sitting on the bench before the game starts. What are you doing with that time? What are you doing in, you know, there's five minutes, there's 10 minutes, there's 15 minutes. Because what often happens is that, you know, we create these images in our heads of, you know, what could go wrong? What's, what am I going to mess up? Or that inner voice comes along and starts telling us that, you know, we're not good enough, or we're not ready, we're not prepared. Or, you know, we get these feelings of nerves of anxiousness or anxiety, or, or maybe you have positive things that you're running through your mind. But it's, it's a matter of what are this what's the specific strategy? So we have a specific breath work routine where it's literally 90 seconds or less, where we get him into a state that's not too excited, not too calm, Right. but this right. has been tested. And we've worked with this in his training. We worked with this uh, in competition where he knows what level of excitement and what level level of relaxation he needs to be at with his body and his mind, because that's a, that's a big thing oh. for athletes to understand. Right. Yeah. We're physically moving around with our body, but there's a direct connection between our brain as well. Right. Yeah. What our brain thinks affects our body, what our body does affects our brain. So it's a matter of m- matching those two up because you don't want to be too relaxed or you don't, right. you don't want to be too excited physically, You don't want to be too nervous. You don't want to be too anxious mentally. So it's a matter of getting to a level where the mind and the body both match up, but it's at a level that you need it. Because I go back to the beginning, right? You, Brian, might need a little more excitement than I need. Right. Maybe I need to calm down a little bit more. But, you know, maybe you've, you've heard of the term flow or getting into the zone and things like that. Yeah. Right. See, that's that's what a lot of athletes want more consistently, right? So it's a matter of figuring out what that range is that gets you closer to flow or gets you into that zone. And it's a a matter of how you're stimulating your mind physically, mentally, through breath work. And the reason the breath is so valuable is because it connects the mind and the body. So it's a matter of what happens when you're stimulating your body versus what's going on inside your mind and and actually how you respond to that situation for you specifically to get to that flow state or in the zone, however you want to talk about it.
0: Right. Would you put meditation in there as well um, with breathing as something that would be useful for uh, basketball players and athletes in general? Yeah, man. I'm a, I'm a huge advocate of meditation, but uh, I'm not going to say that
1: every athlete needs it. I know, I know LeBron's got the sponsorship with Calm. He's like the face of Calm, the Calm app. Kobe was a big advocate of meditating. I know he said he meditated every morning and he said he was just able to control his mind. It's, it's something that is extremely valuable. Yes, but it is not a prerequisite. It's not a necessary thing to necessarily be at the level of Kobe or LeBron. Right. It can help you. So my best advice is yes, experiment with it, try it, test it. And the traditional way of thinking about meditating is sitting or lying down and, you know, focusing on your breathing and, you know, letting thoughts come and go and emotions come and go. Right. Right. That, that's the traditional, like quote-unquote, traditional way of thinking about it. There's there's some things that other elite athletes have done that have, that are are meditative, that put them in the right frame of mind that aren't necessarily sitting down or lying down and, and doing the traditional meditation. So, yeah, my, my best advice is is 100% try it out, man, and and get an expert to try it out with you. Get an expert to guide you along the process because. What happens or, or what is happening, what I see happening with a lot of young athletes, and I know we want to stay focused on, on the NBA, but, you know, you still have young players yeah, of course. from college and high school that are going to be in the NBA soon, right? Mm-hmm. So a big problem that they run into is they watch a YouTube video or they they listen to one person, you know, on a, on a five-minute video and just guide them through a meditation. And... The thing is, they don't know why they're doing it. They don't know what the purpose is. They don't know right. how it's supposed to affect them. It's it's important to get a clear picture in your mind of, this is what I want meditation to do for me. It should serve you. It shouldn't just be something to check off your to-do list.
0: And I go back to what you said about breathing, where you, know, you bring up the example of having 37,000 breaths in a day. And... It's one of those things where we aren't aware of it because we're, you know, as humans, we're so caught up in so many other things that we forget that, you know, we need to breathe. We need to do all these things to stay alive. And sometimes the smallest thing, like being aware of that breath to kind of center you and bring you back to where you need to be, could be the difference between you know, having a positive day and having a negative day, making a good decision, making a bad decision. So I think that's, that's actually really, really fascinating that you bring that up. Yeah. Let me, let me talk
1: on that for just a second, because the breath, the breath is like so underrated, man, for NBA players, college basketball players, high school players. And it's not just about taking a deep breath, right? Right. You know, when, when someone's going through some, some difficult situations, you say, oh, just take a deep breath, right? It's not just about you know, in and out a couple of times, it's about having an awareness of what your breath is actually doing. Because what happens what happens on an unconscious level is when we get nervous, when we get anxiety, when all of these emotions that we're talking about on an unconscious level without us even knowing it, right, I say 37,000 times a day, the breath, the breath is 99% unconscious, because we do it so often. So if you focus on your breath and an awareness of where you want to be to perform at your peak, it's its really important to calibrate and to understand what your breathing is like, what your heart rate's going to be like when you're going to be at your optimal level. Because nerves, anxiety, fear, anxiousness, what happens is your heart rate starts to increase without you even noticing it, right? Your yep. palms start to sweat. Your breath starts to get a little bit shorter and a little bit tighter. And all of a sudden it creates tension and tension is probably one of the worst things for performance. Yep. But the thing is a lot of athletes don't know what that, what that sweet spot is. You know, maybe they breathe too much and they get too relaxed then, or maybe, maybe they're trying to calm down, but they don't know where they need to calm down to. They don't know where that, that optimal range is. So it's just like you you work on your shot before the game, you should work on, okay, where's my breathing need to be at during the game? And this isn't something that you need to go out and do 10,000 reps of. This is something that you can do for 30 seconds. It's just a check-in at practice or 60 seconds during your training. And it's going to have a dramatic impact.
0: From an outside uh, perspective, can you give some other tips to the listeners to try and improve some of the aspects of their mental health, anything you suggest to do kind of like on a daily basis, um, aside from, you know, the breathing exercises, something meditative, is there anything else that you would recommend to do that might help, you know, stressful situation or anything like that?
1: Yeah, man, I have a, I have a, a laundry list of things that I could recommend. (laughs) Um, what do you think would be the most helpful? Yeah. I I want to give big picture here and, and help out as, as best as possible. We all know the importance of habits and habits, you know, shape who we are and things like that. Right. Absolutely. But there's, there's an interesting thing with your mental health is that if you're not growing, you're dying, right? Your body, your mind is like a plant. It's not staying the same. It's not staying stagnant. It's either growing or it's dying. It's simple as that. So from a big picture perspective, what, what are some things that people can do on a daily basis is there's, there's three parts that you want to connect to every single day. And I'm um, this, this isn't me talking. This isn't my system. This goes back to the oldest version of psychology of from all the way back to the ancient Greeks and probably to the ancient Egyptians before that. Right. Right. Mental health is about not only your mindset, it's about, your heart and your emotions because your, your mind and your emotions are connected. And there's, you know, I don't know of any argument against that, but the third part of it is your gut, right? We all get those gut feelings, right? Big picture. I say you're either growing or you're dying. You should have some sort of habit. You should have some sort of routine that helps you grow in each of those three areas. Because here's, here's a, a big mistake that a lot of athletes make is that we tend to go to one of those three Yep, and we tend to go to the one that we're already the best at. So if we're really good with our emotions, we tend to stay comfortable just dealing with the emotional part of it. And we avoid the other two, or maybe you're good at two of them, but you avoid the third. But the big picture, the way I can provide the most value is, Try to create a habit in each of those three areas every single day.
0: That's awesome, man. Those are some incredible tips and advice that I think every person listening can use in their daily life. Those who do suffer from anxiety, depression, or even just the stress of the daily grind of work or the fact that you know we, we were living in the midst of a pandemic for over a year now, all those things can be physically and mentally draining. So I think it's crucial that we do take some time during the day to center ourselves, remember to breathe, meditate, and whatever works for you, and actually do it. And remember that, you know, there are people out there that want to help, that we don't have to necessarily feel alone and get that help that we need. Sam, I appreciate you coming on the show and talking about some incredibly interesting and important issues that affect all of us and professional athletes as well. I hope we can have you on the show again sometime soon. But before you take off here, do you have anything you'd like to uh, plug for the listeners? Anything coming out on your end to look forward to? Anything like that?
1: Yeah, man. I was, uh, First of all, thank you for having me on, obviously. Absolutely. What you do spreading, you know, so many different topics for people interested in the MBAs. You know, obviously I can see the passion that you have and I can hear it in your voice. So thank you for that. Thank you. Uh, The second part of it is for all of your listeners, if you want to study success and you want to see what others are doing, embrace the fact that we're going to struggle. See, what what happens is oftentimes, and I'm a victim of this myself and I, I try to work on this every single day. But every single person that has achieved greatness has had some sort of struggle that they've had to overcome. Absolutely. So the, instead of running from the struggle, instead of saying, you know, I'm, I'm too nervous about this, embrace the struggle, because when you change your perspective to the same situation, it all of a sudden changes how you feel about it. So that was that's the biggest piece of advice I can leave people with. And if you wanna check out some more, uh, just go to samnod.com. I just put up a new video. Uh, how to transfer skills from practice to the game. So um, samnot.com, it should pop right up and you guys can check it out.
0: Awesome. Make sure to follow Sam on TikTok, Instagram, all of his social media, and check out his website at www.samnott.com. Thanks again, Sam. I look forward to having you back on the show sometime soon. And that's all we have today for the All the Hype podcast. Thank you everyone for tuning in. Please continue to support, listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, listen and follow on Spotify or wherever else you listen to your podcast and follow me on Instagram and Twitter at allthehypepod. Thank you guys. Talk to you all soon.